Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. On our last show, Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, shared some of his recent adventures in the land many call holy. When your travel itinerary sounds like something a disciple of Christ would follow, you know you're in for a treat. Lincoln, tell us more about your time in the Holy Land and what impressed you most. Well, there were many, many things, but let me just focus on one aspect that was very fulfilling for me. I'd been on this same tour two years ago. And uh, overall, it really impressed me. And I had a burden that, that my family come with me. And uh, I've got a, a nearly 18-year-old son and a uh, just-turned-14-year-old daughter. And I thought that they would enjoy it. Plus, probably the rest of their life, they might not go. It's not something that young people or, or most people on regular holidays would take in. So I thought this would be the chance of a lifetime. And I particularly thought it would be great if my son could be baptized in the Jordan because oh, he was preparing nice. for his baptism as sure. a Christian. Sure. And I floated it a few times, and he seemed interested. My wife, not. <laughs> he was trying to talk me out of it, that he needed to be baptized in front of his friends and so on. Yeah. So I kept quiet about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the tour, we came to the day before, and I said just casually to my son, you know, are you interested? And he said, yes, of course, I want to be baptized in the Jordan. So at that point, it was a go. (laughs) And uh, it's quite spectacular through in the tour bus, but you arrive at the Jordan, which you pass it several times on such tours, and it's sort of like just going over a a drainage channel (laughs) after the road. Not a big river, mostly, but it's a very significant river because Israel, like many countries, is really defined by its watershed and its waterways, such as they are. And uh, the Golan Heights, and I think is at Mount Hermon, but anyhow, there's a couple of tall mountains in the Golan Heights that are actually snow-covered, where there's some runoff, and they feed into the Sea of Galilee, and then out of the southern end of the Sea of Galilee emerges this little stream, the Jordan River, which is not big for most of the time, and it trickles from north to south of Israel past Jerusalem. And then uh, south of Jerusalem, it empties into the Dead Sea, and it never emerges. (laughs) The Dead Sea is a dead end, and it evaporates and gets saltier and saltier. But that's it. There really isn't much else other than a few little uh, desert springs that are husbanded carefully. You know, apart from spiritual significance, the Jordan is big time for the survival of Israel. But when we arrived in the tour bus to that, just a little south of the river, almost at the base of the Sea of Galilee. The river widens out a bit there. I'd say it's probably uh, 60, 70 feet wide. Mm-hmm. I don't know how deep, but it's deeper than you, you could walk across. And they've got sections prepared for baptisms with railing and little mini amphitheaters and so on. So it's beautifully done. And they give you white robes and towels and so on. So it's very formal. And uh, our group proceeded down and lined up, and and my son was there, and of course I was ready, and there were about three of us that were baptizing. And uh, we stepped into the water, and this time they made us go really deep. We were chest deep in the water, which was quite cold, amazingly, quite clear, amazingly. 
not the muddy little uh, thing that it's sometimes characterized as. Yes. And then the fish started biting our feet very vigorously. <laughs> That's quite an experience. Fish probably uh, six inches to 12 inches long, oh so they're just oh nipping at you. Yeah. Uh, and I'll never forget my uh, son when he came in and stood there ready to be baptized. So he had a wonderful expression, and I uh, right, right away knew that this was the right moment. Mm. And uh, they videotaped it, which is part of a pseudo-touristy uh, experience. So, but that, the good part of it is that he has the videotape. Sure. And uh, others were baptized too. What was amazing to us, our group was not that big, or those that were being baptized, there was not that many. But the baptisms continued, and we you know, what's going on here? And then we realized that another tour group had joined the line, and... <laughs> We were just baptizing them. <laughs> you, wait, 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 wait. You were baptizing people from other tour groups? Yeah, and then I said to one of them, because I asked one woman where she's from. She was from Latin America. and yeah. oh, Okay. And I said, oh, you, which group are you with? Oh, we're with such and such. She says, our pastor's with us. And like two people along from me, the pastor lined up to be baptized too. <laughs> so that was an experience. Wow, that's wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. But no, it's a real spiritual charge to be in such a place. Obviously, a first baptism, not just a, a symbolic one. Some people sort of take the chance to do it again, which, sure. uh, you know, that's perilously close to just experiencing the Holy Land rather than a, than a deeply spiritual sign of commitment. Mm-hmm. But to be baptized for the first time in the Jordan, I think, is, is a wonderful thing. There's nothing magic about the water, but there's something atmospheric about knowing that, that this very close to the place that Jesus himself was baptized, mm-hmm. laying out a, a very clear pattern for water immersion. You know, when you talk about religious liberty, especially in Europe, even after the Protestant Reformation, Anabaptists, those that believed in literal water immersion, were persecuted viciously, even in the United States. On occasion, they were drowned. You know, it was seen as sort of a cruel and fitting punishment for these people. Well, you want to be baptized? We'll put you under and keep you under. Mm-hmm. So it's very meaningful for me, very meaningful. When you stood there at the Jordan and you felt the memories of a Savior being baptized there and you baptized your son, what does that do to you as far as your relationship to God? People go looking for God in the Holy Land. Do they find it or do they find something else? What was your experience? Well, it does vary. And, you know, I've read, continue to read cases of people that get Jerusalem fever. Hmm. They go there, and, and it's more than they can handle, and they become sort of uh, unhinged and fanatical is not the right word, but fixated on the Holy Land and what it means to them. I don't think that's profitable because, you know, this is many years later, and you have to hunt hard for the layers that reveal that world at that time because it's changed. Even, even when you walk on cobblestones in the ancient city of Jerusalem, you have to be careful because uh, in a number of places they've excavated it, and the actual Roman road sometimes is 10 foot beneath you. That's right, that's right. But I do think there's something uh, salutary about actually going to that place. I think it can focus your mind on the very real history of it. While it's the holy ground, it's not because someone once was there, but I think it has holy memories as a reminder of how God has dealt with people in the past. and. And as we read his word, which our guide was always waving aloft, you know, we can still find his way for us. And back to religious liberty, his way for us is to reason together. His way for us is for us to make the choice. He wants us to make it a certain way. 
But, you know, we've got to create a God that doesn't force us one way or another, and we can make the wrong choice and bear the consequences sometimes, but that's religious freedom. Mm. I like what you said there, because instantly a, a verse sprung to mind where the disciples were watching Christ ascend to heaven, and the angels were saying that this same Jesus, this same Jesus will come again. Well, this same Jesus that walked those roads wants to walk the roads that we walk every day around our house. Am I on the right track? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he didn't just come for the Jews, which is something perverted by uh, different groups, including the Nazis. Yes. They, as a group, didn't take full advantage, but they're no more cast off from the appeal of, of a Christ than we are, and God deals with each person individually. You know, you and I know that in our Seventh-day Adventist context, we've been given clear intimations that at the very end of time, the message of a Messiah, of the Savior, Jesus Christ, is going to take a root with the children of the Old Testament. And I think that could still happen, because there's definitely, while it's a socialist state, people need to understand, Israel is not a religious state. Yes. It grew out of Zionism, which was a sort of a socialist political homecoming based on on where they used to live. So it's not religious in that sense. But the community has a very high degree of religious sentiment, and of course it embraces all sorts of fundamentalists and orthodox and so on. I just like to think that these people who have a sense of history and of the importance of, of God in the lives of human beings will yet understand more fully what the full Bible, Old and New Testament, can offer them. I like that, because that is a responsibility, that is a privilege that all of us have, is to grow the religion we have. If we simply accept a religion and then sit in it and wait for it to grow around us, it's not going to happen. There are things that we need to do. Am I on the right track? Absolutely, absolutely. I don't know if I said it earlier, but, uh, you know, we had a reminder of the tensions that are lurking there, because the day before we went to Bethlehem, uh, an American tourist was stabbed to death in Bethlehem. These are random things that add a sense of danger. But, you know, I didn't see any overt violence. And and ironically, I didn't even see as many soldiers as the last time I was there. Hmm. So I can't say that Israel looked on a high state of alert. The only thing we did notice coming down from the Golan Heights, we noticed quite a few uh, trailers taking tanks up to the, to the top. And we only saw maybe uh, no more than a dozen. But if we saw a dozen in one drive, the chances are over a several-day period there were hundreds of tanks being shipped up there. So it's possible things were stirring. But based on the attitude of people and the number of soldiers hanging about, it didn't look like they were under any uh, special curfew or anything. Mm -hmm. But as our guide kept telling us, this is not a sure place. Anything can happen. There's been many wars. They expect more wars. And they have to fight for their secular and religious vision. As you baptized your son, as you walked the streets of Jerusalem, as you went up to the Golan Heights above Galilee there, did God say anything to you inside internally? We're not talking about the, cl- the clouds opening and you know a voice coming down, but God speaks to us in some very real and some very personal ways. Did he say something to you on this trip that he'd never said to you on any previous trips? How much more time have we got? (laughs) Yeah, on the Saturday, the Sabbath, we had an ordinance, we call it, ordinance service, basically a re-creation of the Last Supper Mm -hmm. with the grape juice and the bread. And we did it in the garden of the tomb, which 
of anywhere you can go. Oh, it's the yes. least provable to yes. be the location, but yes. it's clearly evocative of that, and in the context of Jerusalem, and, and it's supposed to be near Golgotha, and there's a tomb next to it, mm-hmm. exactly like the one Jesus was buried in. We had this ordinance service. Yeah, I can't remember being as emotionally uh, drawn out as I was then. It was mm-hmm. quite something. And my son was one of the two we had to distribute the grape juice and the, and the bread, and and as we sang hymns that it's happened to me a lot lately, hymns that I remember my father singing. So I looked at my son and I thought of how my father thought about me and, and what I was doing in the church and for faith. It was pretty heavy, pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, a wonderful sense of peace, you know, a sense of divine presence. There's no question. Well, we want to talk to you more about your trip there to the Holy Land, Lincoln. I'm just enjoying these talks very, very much. We'll have you back on our next program. Thank you for being with us today. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. And listener, until next time, when we talk more with Lincoln Steed about his trip to the Holy Land, until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Lincoln Steed, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. 